this big stage is going to get take take a little while to get used to. Hey, everybody. Some of you I haven't seen for months. It's not like I've been on holidays. Uh, I just want to acknowledge Brad, and um, he's already acknowledged many people who have helped us uh, get ready for today, but I want to say thank you, Brad, for all the work that you've done in keeping up with the constantly changing um, regulations and protocols and new things that we had to do. And um, we're going to do the offering right at the end, Terry. Yeah. Um, as, as people are leaving... Um, so, uh, we've just been uh, blessed to have a, uh, a, an associate pastor like Brad, who's just able to bless us with this gift of administration. So, would you thank Brad for his work? He knows when I go, I've got no idea, and he goes, it's okay, I got it. And I'm blessed to have a, a man of God uh, who's working with you, and he's such a blessing to me. I want to share with you a word this morning from Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, the word began with the Lord just putting a word, a single word on my heart for us as a church. And the word was trauma. And I guess the, the reality is, is that we, for the first time since World War II, as a world, are experiencing trauma on a worldwide basis like we've never uh, experience since World War II. Uh, it's, it's touching every nation on the earth and it's put all of us on high alert. America's deaths from COVID are massive, but, they're the, um, but the countries that are actually recording um, their deaths and recording testing, we, we don't know just how many people are dying from COVID around the world from countries that are not got solid testing programs. But what it does for us, and even with what Brad was talking about, Victoria, we are for the first generation ever in the world to have instantaneous information about what's going on in the earth. And so uh, as people, we're exposed to levels of information about the trauma that is going as a result of COVID-19 that actually begins to impact our thinking and impact our feelings. And so even though Victoria's two days drive away you and I feel what it, uh, what it means for Victoria to have had very good results and then all of a sudden they're in complete lockdown again. And all of us, what are you, what's going through your mind? Sadness. What else? What do you feel about that? Does that affect you? Do you go, oh, too bad for Victoria? I, thoughts that go through my mind is, Wow, I hope that doesn't happen to us. How many people thought that? Come on, yeah, I'm not the only one. You know, and the, the reality is, is that we are living in uncertainty. They, Victoria, three weeks ago, probably wouldn't have thought that this was going, could happen to them, and now it's happened. So what happens is in our psyche, in our thinking, we begin to think, is it, could that possibly hit us? And then all the changes that come back in, they're in complete lockdown again. We went through that. Who did not enjoy complete lockdown? Am I the only one? Come on, no one enjoyed it, right? It was horrible. So, trauma. Um, we're going to read a passage of scripture from Isaiah chapter 40 together where God actually is, speaks to a people who are experiencing this weariness and this trauma of things that had happened or are about to happen. And 
we are in this, this thing of it's happening, it's happened, it's happening, and we just don't know what will happen next. And what happens is that it does our head in. You know, I was coming into the 8 o'clock service and, I, and it was like this, we're all spaced out over the spaced out part of meeting together. How many of you feel this is weird? Our whole life is weird, right? This whole thing of doing this and COVID kisses and all this stuff that we do, it's just strange and we're moving from one strange event to the other. You know what? That's going to impact us. And I've begun to feel it in here. I've, I've missed you. I've missed seeing you. I've missed uh, what is normal. I've missed not worrying about what I do with my hands. I miss hugging people. I miss all those things. There's a grief inside me. There is a weariness inside me. There's a tiredness inside me. And I have good news for you today. God is with us in our trauma. God is able to cause his comfort to come upon us. And, in, and he's actually able to meet us in that. And we're going to read that together. And what we're going to do is we're going to read Isaiah chapter 40. So if you've got your Bible, I'm going to read from the NIV version. You can look it up if you've got a Bible app. And by the way, uh, I discovered in the last couple of weeks a great um, new, not a new version, but a version that Whitcliffe Bible translators use with, for people who have English as their second language or people who struggle with reading. It's called the easy to read version. And if you haven't discovered, I encourage you to, to when you read, if you, if you find reading hard, then this will make it simple because they only use 1,200 words to, to interpret, to translate the Bible. And so it's fantastic for that. For, for, for that. It makes things into, that are complicated simple. And it's even got a commentary which is all done in the same English language. So I encourage you to do that. But we're going to read from the NIV because it's the most uh, recognised and most popular. And we're going to read this um, and go through it together. And then you're going to do this. As I'm reading, I want you to take note of any phrase or sentence that stands out to you and touches your heart. Because I'm going to pray in a minute. We believe that the word of God is able to, to give us insight and revelation. That God himself is able to give us insight and revelation about him, about life, about faith. And as we read it, and as we read it together and then share over it, God is able to even fill our conversations and give insight and revelation as we share that with one another. And you're going to do that. So let's read uh, Isaiah chapter 40. You will recognize the last part of this because it's a, a well-known part. But it begins, Isaiah 39, there's a story there where Hezekiah has actually shown these um, ambassadors all the wealth in his treasuries. It was a big pose. It was a big show off. Hey, look how rich we are. God has blessed me. And they come in and then God sends a prophet, Isaiah, to tell him, what did you show him? He said, I showed him everything. And God said, everything you showed him will be taken and so will all the people and you'll be taken back and you'll become prisoners of Babylon. And that's the story that precedes this. And there's this great weight of, of despair over the people that they have actually sinned, their king sinned, and they're not doing well with God. And yet God comes to them in the spite of all this, and he says this. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. 
speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. Um, I need... Can, can you keep, keep up with me? Yep, thank you. Um, that her sin has been paid for her, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all the faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But, what's it say? The word of our God endures forever. You who bring good tidings or good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, he re his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart and he gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counsellor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust, and Lebanon is not sufficient for altifiers, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom, then, will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal, work, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. 
to whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So why do you complain, Jacob? And why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Thank you, God. I want you to get into groups of about no more than six. And if you don't know the person that's close by you, introduce yourself. And I want you just to share what part of that. It's a long passage, but I wanted you to read it in context. What part of that stood out to you? What was it? Was it something about God? Was it something about us? Was it something about some statement in there stood out to you and then to share that with the person that you're with? Go. Stand up. You've only got seven minutes to do this. So gather. You can stand in a group. You don't have to sit down. Stand. You've got seven minutes. And if you need to sit down... While that's happening, put sit down and they can gather around you. If Alrighty. Why don't you take your seats again? Normally I would get you to perhaps give some feedback, but just for the sake of time this morning, you might share that with somebody else. I'm just gonna go through this quickly and give you a a bit of an overview of some things that I, I got from this. In the beginning of Isaiah 40 and at the end, you've got this whole message where God is comforting his people. You can he hear it at the beginning and hear it at the end. But this whole passage begins, I think, with a question that God heard people say and he's, a, he's asked Isaiah to speak on his behalf. What was the question... It's in there. It's in Isaiah 40. What was the question God was responding to in Isaiah 40? Can anybody tell me? Did anybody pick up on that question? What was the question? There was a lot of, there's actually about three or four questions asked in, the, in that chapter. It's a question towards the end of chapter 40. What was the question that was running through people's minds? And I think today, people are probably still asking that question about God. What's it say? Can anybody tell me what verse it is and what it says? Yeah, Simo? Yeah, that's it. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. I think this is the question that Christians and people who are not Christians 
We're wondering when there's so much trauma, so much things going wrong in the earth, is where is God? This chapter begins with God saying, actually, I have compassion for you. It begins with comfort, comfort my people. The, the Hebrew word is like this, this sigh. It's like these tender words um, that speak to the heart. God comes and he says to the people, I know things are going wrong and it's all messed up and you're all messed up, but I need you to know that I have comfort, compassion and tenderness for you. I treat you like a shepherd who looks after a lamb. And he just expresses his heart to them and says, you know, you might feel that I've disregarded you. You might feel that I'm a long way away, but really, I'm really close to you. Um, the word comfort there, uh, in the New Testament, where does that word, where do you hear the word comfort in the New Testament for those who, who have read the New Testament? The, those who mourn? Yeah, Jesus in, the, in, the, um, in his, the Beatitudes. Yeah, those who mourn will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn and they shall be comforted. 2 Corinthians 1 talks about he is the God of all comfort. Uh, the God of all comfort, what does that trigger in you? Holy Spirit. He is described as the comforter. In the Greek, it's parakletos or paraclete. He is the paraclete, which is basic para, meaning come alongside, parakletos. And when he comes alongside you, he comforts you. He comes alongside us. When we're struggling, when we're weary, when we're having a hard time, when the world's having a long time, he needs you to know, I am your comforter. I am the one that comes alongside you. I speak tenderly to you. I am compassionate with you. I am with you. This is, by the way, that is the, good, that is the heart of the good news that Jesus came bearing when he came. He came, this is the good news. God he, he said, repent, turn from your sin, turn to God. Why? Because he is near. He is here. God became flesh. I don't know about you, but right now, this message remains the same message, the good news that God wants to come near or is near right now and that he will come alongside you and he will comfort you and he will help you with your messed up situation i love god's tenderness towards us which is described in isaiah 40 the other the other thing that that sticks out to me is there's that that in this whole chapter there's this comparison between us and god what's what are we described as what is humanity described as grass and what you know, grasshoppers, yeah, we're like grasshoppers. Yes, uh, grass and grasshoppers and flowers. You know the one thing I don't like about buying my wife flowers? Is they, they look beautiful for a day and then they die. Although Michelle did buy these beautiful flowers the other day and they lasted a couple of weeks. I don't know how they did it. But that's what we are like compared to God who is everlasting. He's his radiance doesn't diminish. His glory doesn't stop shining. His power doesn't stop. He doesn't go tired. He doesn't get weary. And this whole chapter is about comparing. Well, listen, you guys, 
You think I've disregarded you, but actually I hold the oceans in, the hand, in my hand. I measure all the dust of the earth in a basket. I know when every star that comes out, it's coming out because I'm causing it to come out by name. And not one of them is missing. I am the everlasting God. I am the all-powerful God. And listen, do not think for a minute that I have abandoned you, that I've disregarded you, that I don't know where you're at, even amidst all this trouble. And even that the fact that there could be future trouble. Hey, guys, we don't know what's coming tomorrow, do we? We don't know what today's going to be like. We don't know what tomorrow's going to be like. What we do know is this. Our lives are like grass and like flowers. They're here one day and gone the next. But God loves us. And he is forever. And he is consistent. If we go right down to the bottom as I finish, I love this, this last words. It says, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is everlasting. He is not like grass. He is not like flowers. He create, he's the creator of the ends of the earth. And this is what it says. He will not grow tired and he will not grow weary and his understanding no one can fathom. There's nothing outside, including us. I can't get over the fact that God knows about every single one of you, even when we're not together. He hears your prayers. He, he knows your thoughts. And here's his promise. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. I'm getting older. I get tired easier. I stumble and fall easy. And the older you get, the harder that is. But even yous grow tired, Isaiah says. But here's the strike verse. Verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Some of you have got versions that say those who wait on the Lord. That Hebrew word is actually this. It's actually the idea of a single strand entwined into a rope. The better translation is hope those who hope in the Lord, those who are entwined in the Lord will renew their strength. For those of you who need strength right now, because if you're like me, I'm just so over all the changes. I'm so over my normal being abnormal. I'm so over what, not knowing what tomorrow holds. I'm getting tired of it and I'm grieving over the loss of what was once and I'm I'm just over having to adapt. Are you over it? But you know what? God says, I understand. Now I need you to put your hope not into the things that change, but into me who is everlasting. And this is what he does. He says, entwine yourself in me. In the New Testament, it talks about abiding, which is to make your home in God. It is to live in him. It's the same idea. It's to entwine yourself in him. And this is, what, this is the result of entwining yourself in God. What happens when you put your hope, when you entwine yourself in God? What's the promise? What's the last part of that verse 31? You, your strength is renewed. Why? What happens when you become entwined with someone stronger? What happens? You get their strength. 
I want to pray with you right now because some of you are weary from all the things that are going on. But God has a promise for you. I am closer than a brother. I have come alongside you. I am your comforter. There is nothing going on here that I was surprised about and I have the strength you need to get through this. I want you to come with your weariness, your tiredness, your sadness, your grief, your sense of loss, your sense of frustration, your sense of just COVID brain, don't know, I'm just overwhelmed. And the Lord says, bring that all to me and entwine yourself in me and I will give you the strength you need to get through this. Let's pray. God, just come, Holy Spirit. Acknowledge to the Lord where you're weak, where you're tired, where you're fed up, where you're overwhelmed. Now lift up your head. And go, God, you are the God who is everlasting. I am grass and I'm like flower. And I stumble and I fall. And I'm weak and I'm weary. Would you come into my weakness with your strength? I entwine myself in your word, which is everlasting. Your word will endure forever. You are your word and your word will last forever. I cast my weakness upon you and ask you to redeem that and empower me with your strength. Amen. Keep doing that during the week. Acknowledge your weakness before the Lord. Acknowledge where you are struggling and invite him to come in with his strength. His promise to you is you will renew your strength. Your strength will be renewed. He is with us in this moment. He is with us. One Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 1 talks about him being the God of comfort that comes into us, bringing comfort, and as a result of us receiving his comfort and his strength, we become comfort bearers. We go out into a world that needs comfort needs kindness, needs people for us to come alongside them and say, I am with you and God is with you. And then you bring this, uh, this, this actual life experience of you being entwined with God and they'll look at that and they'll see the strength in you that is unusually divine. And they'll see it. And they'll go, why are you like the way you are? And you can share the hope that is in you. God bless you, you comforters, those who shall be comforted. May you, Lord bless you, uh, those of you who are mourning, those of you who are poor in spirit, you'll become rich in spirit. Uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, those things are for those who acknowledge their weakness and recognise God who is strong.